0: I and uh, the group of monks who uh, have come with me uh, are glad to be here amongst uh, uh, fellow companions in the, the holy life uh, who have uh, Ajahnana as the head of the, the group here at Watnana Chart uh, uh, Ajahnana and I are friends in the practice we practice together with Ajahn Chah in the old days and it's an opportunity for myself now to meet all of you, my companions and friends in the Dhamma all of you have faith in the practice and in the development of the jitta those who uh, have interest in developing knowledge and wisdom in the Dhamma and the teachings of the Buddhist path and this path of practice as taught by Ajahn Chah uh, so that we can develop both understanding, comprehension and a clear uh, uh, knowledge of the path. Today I want to uh, open up the opportunity uh, for a conversation so I can uh, maybe convey some experience and uh, some of my own knowledge and understanding of the path to you. And so I see this as an opportunity Uh, because many of you have experience uh, in practice as an opportunity for uh, exchange of ideas, conversation and the answering of questions. And I will try to convey any understanding and knowledge I have to all my friends and companions here who have a deep faith uh, and conviction in the practice of Buddhism. Has so anyone got a question they wish to ask about your meditation practice or anything in general? Just to translate the, the question, the question was could Tanajan please explain um, the difference between uh, wisdom developing samadhi and concentration and the other form of practice of samadhi and developing wisdom and how do you use them and how do they go together? <coughs> the uh, question of whether developing wisdom which leads to the development of samadhi or the uh, other aspect of the question of samadhi and developing the mind so it leads to wisdom <coughs> those two questions have to be uh, two aspects of the question have to be broken up and answered separately the first one is that uh, one has to be aware of one's temperament and character if you're one that uh, likes to think likes to investigate, likes to contemplate and reflect, uh, then we can uh, find that if we, say, look at uh, a super, contemplate the body, or do a um, a mantra like Buddha, and we find that our mind continuously gets caught in thinking and uh, speculation, then we should try to develop uh, investigation or contemplation. So we're using the wisdom aspect, to train the mind to peace and tranquility. For example, we we use the contemplation of death or maranasati. We reflect on our own death and the death of others and death of other beings. And by doing so, uh, we are able to see that all beings die and must die, that we too will die. And because of this, this reflection and contemplation by using the wisdom aspect we're developing the sati and mindfulness and recollection of death, then that uh, inclines the mind towards peace and tranquility. And so this is uh, the wisdom aspect leads to the stilling of the mind and the tranquility of the mind. Uh, So if we uh, are developing the mind, we're able to uh, contemplate the mind, in the opposite in development of samadhi, if we are able to take up a meditation object, for example, develop sati of Buddha or dhammo or sankho, and at that time there's a sense of gladness and sense of delight and joy in the object, and piti sukha arises, uh, rapture and happiness, and then that mind is then well established without thinking and, and distraction. Then that particular type of person. Uh, finds it very easy to develop samadhi. Their mind is well established in one object and on one object. Their mind becomes uh, focused and one pointed on that object. And that, that jitta uh, becomes peaceful and still. This sort of person, after they've stilled their mind, developed samadhi, then they need to develop investigation. Uh, they have to develop the investigation and contemplation, for example, of uh, the the five uh, aspects of the body the aspects of the body the un- non-beautiful aspects or the four elements the earth, air, fire and water element uh, or you may develop the investigation of the three characteristics one sees that things are impermanent unsatisfactory and not self and if one investigates that uh, very clearly that after one has been into samadhi then this is the way to develop uh, wisdom this is the way the chitta which is concentrated and calm, leads to development of wisdom and understanding. This is for the second person. So the first person uh, who likes to think and contemplate and develops the investigation aspect and that leads to the stilling of the mind. The second person who uh, has uh, a natural ability to develop a gladness and happiness on one object, uh, they develop samadhi. Then they must develop the investigation and contemplation of characteristics so that wisdom arises as well. So to go back to the firth- first characteristic, the first person, the person whose mind tends to investigation and contemplation, to thinking a lot, if you like to think a lot, then you may use and contemplate the moods and emotions that arise. Now, when Be aware of what arises in the mind, when the eye sees something, the ear hears something, now, we'll taste and touch and smell, then we contemplate these things as they arise at the sense doors. We, we have to contemplate the three characteristics, see uh, the things that arise at the sense doors, you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and bodily contact and uh, mental contact as all impermanent, unsatisfactory and not self. So. And when we see that, then we see also our moods and emotions, our delights, our sufferings and our happiness, the uh, our moods of the mind, they also are subject to the three characteristics of Anicca, Dukkha and anatta. And when we see that very clearly, this leads to wisdom. Uh, so when we see that uh, things are changing, things are Dukkha and things are not self, then we develop an understanding. Uh, and that, that wisdom, that aspect where we develop developing contemplation of the things that arise in our experiences impermanent unsatisfaction, not, not self leads to peace it leads to the mind becoming calm and in that way it leads to kantika samadhi, this uh, momentary concentration of the mind where the mind calms down and becomes still and this momentary concentration uh, then if that is developed then that can lead to upajara samadhi where the mind becomes even more uh, long lasting in that peace and tranquility well established and when we establish Nupajara Samadhi then that will lead to clarity the development and the rising of clarity uh, becoming sharper and more precise the second aspect of the path as we said where one develops Samadhi leading to wisdom uh, this, uh, this comes together from the first aspect of the path where Banya leads to Samadhi these two aspects of the path work together and support each other Samadhi leads to Panya and Panya will lead to Samadhi. They work together and they support each other. So if we uh, find that uh, we uh, want to develop tranquility through investigation uh, using the wisdom aspect to develop tranquility we have to do it frequently and often (coughs) contemplate often do it over and over again continuously. If we're developing uh, this practice then we have to be aware of our moods and emotions aware of our happiness and sorrows and contemplate by developing wisdom seeing their impermanent nature their unsatisfactoriness and their not self the aspect of developing samadhi to lead to wisdom uh, for this person uh, that person holds one aromana Uh, holds one state of mind, one object in their mind for a long period of time and they arise a sense of delight and happiness by holding that one object of contemplation in their mind for a long period of time and by doing that their mind becomes peaceful and calm but then they have to investigate as I said, they have to investigate after coming out of that state uh, investigate objects according to the three characteristics So, in summary, both these paths of uh, wisdom developing samadhi and samadhi developing wisdom really come together in the ultimate sense. They come together in sila, samadhi and vanya, in virtue, uh, concentration and wisdom. And uh, uh, we become aware that uh, these qualities have to be developed frequently and often uh, for development of concentration we have to do it very frequently, the development of wisdom, we have to do it frequently Uh, we do it until the mind becomes focused and one-pointed and uh, with development of samadhi, uh, the power of the samadhi is what suppresses defilements temporarily, it suppresses the kalesas temporarily just through that power of one-pointedness and the strength of the mind So we have to look at our own temperament we have to look at our own uh, abilities our own strengths and our own weaknesses and see which path is more convenient for us if we're a person who likes to think a lot and we find that every time we sit and our mind is in speculative thought and distractive thought and thinking then we may need to develop this wisdom aspect contemplating a lot, investigating a lot according to the three characteristics so that wisdom develops concentration if we're a person who can hold one object in our mind for a long period of time and develop a delight and uh, happiness in that object, then we uh, we can develop samadhi which develops wisdom But ultimately both paths conjunct and unify together in sila and samadhi and fanyam uh, I asked Nathana uh, Nun to say something about drowsiness and uh, uh, sloth and torpor and how to overcome sloth and torpor and uh, (coughs) he said that uh, there is uh, uh, various causes for sloth and torpor obviously one of them is when the body the physical body has not had enough rest and uh, the physical body is tired Um, and uh, that is one, one cause obviously Uh, Another cause is that uh, when the mind starts to settle down and become peaceful, uh, if this mindfulness is not strong enough, uh, then one can go slip into drowsiness uh, because mindfulness is broken. The continuity of mindfulness is broken. Uh, So uh, this has happened to me. Um, I, I, before, uh, when I was practicing, um, when the mind would get peaceful, and uh, they, the mind was very bright and clear, but outwardly uh, I uh, appeared to others to be drowsy. and uh, the, the, the body was slumped. And, uh, but I realized that uh, my mindfulness was uh, clear and bright and uh, continuous. Uh, and so there is that quality too, where sometimes, not in all cases, but in some cases, some people may look from the outside as peer like you're a drowsy, but actually the mind is very much in peace and the mindfulness is continuous. Uh, in my case, what I did was uh, to prove my, to myself whether I was mindful and aware is I would listen, play a tape of Achanchas Chahs and uh, then get my friends, my companions to turn the tape off and then I would uh, tell them exactly where Achan Chah had got to in the Dhamma talk. And just to prove whether to myself whether I was actually drowsy or, or not, or I was clear, and uh, so that's one way of testing. You've got to test to see and, and question whether you really are drowsy. Uh, so um, the one there is one way where the, you know the, obviously the body does not have enough rest, and therefore the mindfulness is weak. That's out of a need from the body. Uh, the uh, there is the other, other pla- uh, type of um, uh, drowsiness where when the, the jitta, the mindfulness is, becomes more peaceful and the mind is settling down and going into samadhi and it's becoming more and more still and uh, tranquil then uh, the hindrances uh, are overcome there's uh, no sensual desire uh, there's no ill will uh, there's no doubt and there's no restlessness but as the mind settles down uh, on the object of meditation, then a dullness, a subtle dullness, it slips sleeps in, and slips in, and uh, that's because the mindfulness is too weak in the meditation. We need to develop stronger mindfulness, uh, and so this this we need to develop through uh, a lot of practice, the, the practice of. Uh, developing mindfulness and I've written something here that I can't read so, uh, the other quality is, is when we um, uh, get drowsy through just too much sleep we're, we're sleeping during the day too much you know, two hours a day or uh, we're eating too much and therefore you know, we're oversleeping and even though we've slept a lot uh, the mind is even more duller and more drowsy and less alert Uh, than if one goes without sleep. So that's, again, you have to be very careful, Just to sleep little, uh, but sleep enough, uh, and to eat uh, what is just the right amount, not eating too much, um, so that you're not trying to find pleasure in sleep. The mind has to have the attitude of uh, not looking for pleasure or happiness and delight in sleep, They're looking for happiness and delight and wakefulness. Developing a state of mind like that. So when you go to sleep, before you go to sleep, contemplate the body from the head down to the toes. Take the body apart in all its component parts so you're establishing mindfulness before going to sleep. And then work up from the toes back to the crown of the head, taking the body apart. If... um, Achan Chah used to recommend if someone was uh, overcome with drowsiness when they're asleep at a sitting meditation then they should get up not to continue sitting uh, if you're overcome with drowsiness. To walk backwards he would suggest. Uh, or go and sit in a secluded and fearful sort of place in a place where uh, you're by yourself uh, in a place which would bring up anxiety or even fear so that you're going against the the tendency of um, being familiar with your environment. Because when we're very familiar with our environment, like our our huts and the place that we feel relaxed in and comfortable with, then it's very easy to be drawn to the attraction of the sleeping mat. Uh, Whereas if we're in a a place which we're not familiar with, which is uh, uh, unusual or out of the ordinary, then mindfulness tends to be a bit more sharper and a bit more alert. So come away from your putti and come out to a public place, to the to the sala or to a place where uh, is, it is open or public, or a place which is more uh, inspiring of fear, and, and that way that will make the mind alert. Uh, s- Yes, so if you're getting drowsy, then you need to seek um, some advice as well. You know, ask your friends to, uh, to tell you if you're sitting and you're drowsing all the time. Get them to point it out. You know, get them to say, hang on, you're falling asleep. Uh, get them to give advice because if sometimes we're, not, we're falling asleep and we're totally unaware of it. Or we're falling asleep in situations where we're unaware of it. So get to your friends to say, you know, uh, God, please point out to me when I'm I'm, I'm nodding and when I'm drowsy, so that they're helping you out to make the mind bright, the chitta alert and, and awake. Um, and uh, you know, if you're sleeping, uh, uh, falling asleep too much, then you know, do a lot of walking meditation. We have to go against and this word toraman, to go against to uh, you know torment or go against. Our natural tendencies for drowsiness. So when you're walking and you're feeling a bit tired, don't use that attachment to that tiredness, that feeling of tiredness, just as an excuse to go and sleep. Go against that a tendency, go against the inclination uh, to be drowsy. Um, of course when we, uh, we're watching the breath as a meditation object, then it, it's very easy for the mind when it does settle down uh, and it starts to become peaceful, to for the mindfulness to slip as the the mind settles down. And so we have to have great mindfulness to follow the chitta, so that when it gets peaceful, we should remember that practice is in the four postures of standing, walking, and sitting, and lying down. Uh, is not we're not just doing the physical postures. If we're standing and walking meditation or sitting meditation. Uh, that may not be meditation. Just because we're in that posture of meditation, the physical posture of meditation, it may not yet be meditation. Meditation is really the practice of the mind and the development of the mind. So we have to develop the mind uh, so that we're practicing inwardly, not just doing the outer formalities and the outer postures of meditation. And the way we overcome uh, and do practice of the mind and cultivation of the mind is the development of uh, the qualities which overcome the five hindrances suppress the five hindrances and we may need to do the development of uh, a super gametan. if you're falling asleep a lot then don't watch the breath develop a super gametan. contemplate the body, pull the body apart give work to the mind to do so that the mind just doesn't fall into sleep and indulge in sleep so you're giving it work to do uh, I I uh, had a, um, I had uh, problems when I was originally practicing uh, with this. Uh, sometimes I would have would have had enough uh, food and uh, enough sleep, but when the mind was settling down into tranquility, uh, uh, the body uh, uh, was getting very calm. The hindrances were overcoming, except for this last one of drowsiness. Sati. Was getting broken as the mind got very very subtle, and the mind got very relaxed on the on the object of meditation, and because of that the mind would go into drowsiness, and uh, and so uh, I, when that was pointed out, then I would develop the clarity and refinement of sati. Uh, so the one one way of doing that is uh, sometimes I would. Uh, if I stayed up and practiced really late into the night and I was practicing very hard, sometimes all through the night and I still found myself getting drowsy I would take a board and go and take that board and put it on the top of the well and sit on the edge of the well so that the mind would become uh, uh, awake and and bright sometimes uh, in the morning, if uh, staying up all night meditating uh, by 6.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning I was still drowsy and sleepy and I knew I had to go on an invitation into the house with, with the teacher. So, to overcome the drowsiness, I would make the mind uh, anxious by uh, taking a board and sitting on, a, uh, sitting on the edge of the well. And then, you know, this fear of falling into the well would make the mind bright or alert. Or sometimes I would go up into the bell tower of Watpapong and sit right on the edge of the bell tower at the top of Watpapong to make the mind bright and clear and wake it up. But if, if you notice that you do something like this and the body is even still sleepy then, then it's obviously time to uh, give up and rest. The body is just too tired. You put it in a situation which is, endangers it and you're still you know, falling asleep and it feels like you're going to actually fall off. Then obviously you uh, need to rest the body. You need to find a method for overcoming drowsiness. You need to train the mind. And find skillful means so that we find ways and techniques which are skillful and useful for training our mind, so that we can develop these higher states of uh, of dhamma. You all heard the question, so the re- response was that when we have the um, this opportunity or this occasion where we find ourselves in a community and we have responsibilities whether it's the abbot or the vice abbot or uh, the monks who take on various various responsibilities in assisting uh, the running of the monastery then the most important quality to develop is the four brahma viharas. and when we develop the four brahma viharas, particularly the quality of metha, the quality of the willing to be kind and helpful to the group and wanting to assist the group this is a quality of self-sacrifice the giving up of selfish notions and self-concern for the well-being uh, for the purpose of the group, the community so that one is uh, doing things on behalf of the community and for the well-being of the community for the benefit of the community Uh, But when we have this quality of metta for doing things and sacrificing our own desires and likes for the well-being and for the benefit of others in the community we shouldn't also give up our own meditation. We should continue to develop our mindfulness and clear comprehension to be aware of our our physical body and be aware of our moods to be aware of the mind. Uh, So when we're uh, helping and doing acts of service then also we continue to develop uh, our meditation when we have the opportunity. So when there's a time that you're free, then do sitting and walking meditation uh, so that you overcome and resolve uh, moods and feelings that come up to the sort of activities and the responsibilities and the problems that arise in looking after a community. Uh, And one of the most important things that we have to resolve in our moods and and feelings is uh, to overcome the perception of finding fault in others. So looking at others with negativity and the fault-finding mind so that we're not looking down on others or criticizing others and finding fault in others. Uh, Because all of us are of different characters and uh, different qualities and we have different temperaments and so it's important to have that as an understanding, as a foundation that uh, we're not all the same when I was at Wapapong Acham Chah would establish a rubby Up, a routine and a schedule and I would want that rubby Up myself I would want that rubby Up and routine and schedule to be kept very strictly and very uh, with a lot of, kind of um, purpose and energy by the rest of the community and Acham Chah used to uh, warn me and warn the other monks to be very careful not to be caught in the net of self uh, and I wondered what he meant by that to be careful not to be caught in the net of self uh, and uh, because you know I was very keen and sincere in wanting to do everything in the best possible way and for the routine and schedule of the monastery to be impeccable and uh, to be uh, held very strictly Um, but we have to realize that uh, there are uh, great degrees and diversities of characters and temperaments some people uh, keep the routine and and the uh, schedule and the rules of the monastery very loosely other people keep it mildly other people keep it very strictly and if we just focus on others and what they're doing and, and uh, what they are, are practicing then we forget ourselves our and we, uh, our mind will not be empty, our mind will not be free because we're finding fault with others so uh, we have to be careful how we're looking because, uh, at others how we're looking down, whether we're looking down on others and how we're looking towards others whether we're looking towards them with kindness and goodwill and just the wisdom to know the diversification of temperament the diversification of opinions and the diversification of views and we have to be very careful not to attach to our views and to let go of our opinions so that we're not caught in our own views and opinions uh, otherwise we'll, do, we'll be like Achanchar says we, we won't be careful and we'll get caught in the net of self the net of self-views so we need to develop our mindfulness and wisdom to, to be watchful of our moods and emotions sometimes when we're in a community uh, we get uh, um, frustrated or we want to uh, leave the community want to uh, seek seclusion and soli- uh, uh, solitude um, but we should reflect at this time we're living in a community the here and now we're actually with the community <coughs> and so we're watch- we should make our minds <coughs> me. establish our minds at this point we're, uh, we're in the community so I'll try to do my duties as best as possible and as fully as possible and as totally committed as possible so that it is complete full and perfect in every way so I'm actually giving up for the benefit of my friends and companions in the holy life and giving up Uh, to these other people and that develops a sense of gladness in the mind, a sense of delight and a sense of joy and that gladness and joy and happiness and delight uh, makes one overcome uh, the sense of the difficulty and the problem it becomes much less because one has this sense of giving and service to others The other extremely important quality which I'd like to mention which is important when living in a community is to be giving forgiveness to each other continuously and at all times. To be having an attitude of forgiving your fellow companions for the mistakes or the transgressions that they've made towards you or your perceptions of their transgressions. Because... uh, when, uh, when we, we have this attitude of forgiveness and that leads to happiness and peace in the community uh, in a community like this there is innumerable and various opinions views and ideas and the ways things should be done uh, this nanajitang the variety and diversification of opinions and views and each person has them but by, uh, by realizing that with wisdom then we can Uh, know that other people may not think exactly like ourselves and we can have a sense of wisdom about that and then we can be happy not to get caught in our happiness and our sorrow and our, our delights and our sadness we develop this wisdom and understanding of knowing the Buddhist path and we use this life together in the community to its full benefit and its full potential Yes, you have to speak up. Sort of. <laughs> but, uh, I'll try and translate some of that, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe the gist, the gist of that. <coughs> oh, I didn't hear that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear. Ah. Ah i yeah, so oh, okay.
0: okay. oh, sorry, I didn't, didn't hear that bit. I didn't hear that bit. Uh, uh, when we have uh, done a lot of study and uh, we have a lot of knowledge and uh, uh, a lot of understanding and information, whether it's about Mahayana Buddhism or Theravada Buddhism, uh, we see that basically the, the teachings both these traditions have their highest uh, focal point or their highest emphasis on the destruction of greed, hatred and delusion with their end result uh, focused on the ending of all suffering Uh, the seeing of all conditions as impermanent, unsatisfactory and not self Um, and so that the purpose of the Buddhist teachings whether it's Mahayana or Theravada is the ending of all suffering, whether small suffering or great suffering, uh, small small happiness or great su- uh, uh, unhappiness, and uh, <clears throat> so we see that we can know and see for ourselves that this is a, a scientific method uh, because we can science uses cause and effect and puts things through an experimental test to see whether they uphold to cause and effect. What with this cause, what is the effect? What with this cause is the consequence? And so in Buddhism, uh, we're using the same technique of scientific method, our experience and experiment with the scientific method to see the cause and effect of things. What with this technique leads to what consequences? And we can see uh, that... uh, we can apply the method methodology of science to the arising of suffering when suffering arises uh, what is its cause where does it come from we see that it arises through craving through clinging uh, through attachment we're going to apply the scientific method to our fear when fear arises whatever that fear arises whatever the cause of the fear is, we can see the nature of fear and say where is that arising from? and we see it in terms of the scientific method of what's its cause? where does it come from? and we see that its cause comes from attachment to the five khandhas, attachment to this body attachment to this mind the fear of death of the body fear of the breaking up of the mind this leads to upadana this upadana, this attachment to the five khandhas, then leads to fear when we feel that the five khandas are challenged in some way and so what we're really afraid of is not afraid of other beings but afraid of death that's what we're really afraid of and we're afraid of death because of our love of life and love of self our attachment to life and our attachment to self and it is that what you're really afraid of so what we're doing is practicing to let go of feeling uh, fi- uh, sorry, let let go of being afraid. We're practicing to let go of thoughts we're practicing to let go of feelings, we're practicing to let go uh, uh, of this attachment to the five thunders. So uh, I'm, uh, you shouldn't believe this, uh, you only know it through practice I'm not asking you to believe this, I'm asking you to practice according to cause and effect in using the scientific method to see what's the cause of your suffering and this scientific method is just this path of Sila, Samadhi and Panya Uh, and so just as all science likes to focus on cause and effect Buddhism also uh, focuses on cause and effect so even though you may have studied all the religions of the world the most important religion for you to study is the craving and clinging in your heart which leads to being afraid, the craving and clinging in heart, in your heart which leads to greed, hatred and delusion that's the religion which you really need to study uh, and when you understand that, when you know that for yourself you will know whether the mind is liberated from suffering when you see that Upadana is the cause for suffering and then you practice to cut off that cause of suffering then you can see whether Upadana is being cut off and you can know that for yourself you don't have to believe somebody else you can see for yourself that craving and clinging has been destroyed and brought to an end and uh, through that yes maybe some insights and knowledges of other beings and other planets and other realms can arise we may see or know devas, may see or know other spirits and other beings but that's not important the importance is to know uh, whether we've overcome Upadana, uh, whether we've overcome clinging and craving. And uh, when, when the body breaks up, that mind goes on according to its kamma. The mind leads to further rebirth according to its kamma. And so when the body breaks up, uh, if there's clinging and craving, then that leads to the perpetuation of further becoming. Uh, so this we see leads to upaka the results of k- uh, karma that we've done in the past now what we need to do is look with the scientific method or with the buddhist method on cause and effect so that we bring an end of all craving and that will destroy all fear and worry When you're in a community um, and you uh, see that something in the community or something in the group is uh, not right or not correct or uh, not appropriate, then we have to look firstly at our own minds. We have to look at the firstly at our own jittas and see whether our, our mind is, is steady and even and normal, um, is, is unperturbed by that. Uh, if we notice that our mind is uh, stirred up we are upset or angry or uh, disturbed, then we shouldn't speak at that time. Uh, if we're uh, um, not happy with the other person, then, then we should be very careful not to speak. Um, because uh, if we do speak, we'll speak with emotion that is tainted, and emotion which is uh, when the listener hears it, the receiver will hear it in a way which is, makes it aware to them that you are angry and upset and uh, it will not go down well and they will not be able to receive the advice that you want them to hear uh, so uh, if we notice that we're upset what we should do is firstly work in our own minds, make our mind peaceful and uh, make our minds uh, serene, if our mind is peaceful and, and uh, happy now, then, and then we should maybe then at a ro- appropriate time and place fi- ask for the opportunity to speak and ask permission and ask permission to get their uh, permission to give admonition. Um, but we need to be very aware to look at our own feelings and look at our own uh, reaction. If our reaction is one of negativity and anger and being upset of someone doing something that we don't like, then we need to contemplate and investigate to overcome that feeling of dislike and dishappiness um, and see that you know when the eye sees something then it is just physical form, contemplate when the ear hears something unpleasant, it's just sound or we may investigate that it's not a person, it's not a being, it's not self who's doing this so investigate uh, that there's no one there, there's no being so we're contemplating not self, we're contemplating the idea of anatta so that what we're doing is then overcoming the negativity in our mind and when our our chitta is cool and serene then it may be an appropriate time that we can say something then uh, but only after our mind is, is, is peaceful and serene. Uh, cause, um, we have to be very careful when saying something in a community or even looking at uh, people with negativity because if we have a lot of aversion in the mind and we're looking at our fellow companions with aversion then it may become that we cannot even look at each other. Uh, for the whole panza and uh, because there's something happened and uh, uh, we've said something wrong and there's a negativity and that affects our mind when we go away to meditate you know, it affects our, whole, our meditation it affects other people's meditation and can destroy uh, the meditation for the whole pansa because of uh, you know, that uh, wrong, wrong words or ill advice or spoken at the wrong time so we have to be very careful to make our minds very peaceful and serene uh, when we're in a community, um, you know, there, there may be some people who are very diligent and energetic and uh, uh, on time and uh, put a lot of effort and energy into uh, doing service to the community and keeping the call what and doing the activities and arriving on time. And then, um, you know, another person may be uh, uh, not arriving on time, maybe uh, be seen by ourselves as slacking and uh, not uh, helping out but uh, just supposing that person is sick uh, so the energetic person who's doing everything and putting a lot of effort and energy into the, um, the community activities may look down and, and criticise and find fault with that person who's not turning up uh, but not be aware that they're actually sick and because of that um, uh, when we look down and find fault with them then it leads to uh, problems and conflict and leads to negativity and uh, being upset but this can be resolved if we come together and have conversation and, uh, you know, ask and discuss and talk about things so that there's interaction. And when we find out, you know, that the reasons maybe why they haven't turned up is that they're sick and not well, uh, then we may change our, our view and our opinion uh, because normally we think, we always think that we're right and the other person is wrong. You know, we always think that uh, we're, we're correct and uh, the other people aren't and that uh, we don't need to change, other people do. But when we actually sit down and discuss things and uh, communicate in a skillful way and uh, uh, find out their reasons, try to see things from their point of view, we might find that actually we uh, might change our views and change our opinions and start to see them in a different way. And so we might give up our aversion and give up our viewpoint and try and see their point of view and see their, where they're coming from. And so we have to be very careful uh, with uh, finding fault with others. We have to be very fe- careful with living in a community that we're practicing and investigating our own mind and not getting attached to our own feelings and perceptions and attaching too strongly to those. Mm-hmm.
1: And, there a fear, fear and also, I'd like to ask if doubt arises in your mind regarding this, is this uh, an option? Is this a serious Do you have doubt around
0: Uh, when we develop loving-kindness meditation or the state of mind of metta and the mind, the chitta is peaceful and calm then we may uh, uh, share the merits or tit uh, share the merits of, uh, of that uh, goodness and that peaceful state and that tranquility and loving-kindness to other beings when we do so, that is meritorious and uh, that is punya, that is uh, merit and uh, when we uh, do anything like development of loving kindness uh, that is the development of what is good and wholesome what is good and wholesome and it is also what is meritorious and that makes the, the mind, the heart happy and it makes the mind full of merit it makes the mind full of goodness and that makes, uh, when the mind is full of goodness, then it makes the mind very comfortable and at ease and peaceful and composed. And uh, when we have this happiness arising in the mind and uh, we uh, have this uh, joy and contentment, uh, this metta in the mind, then that is the development of the Brahma Vaharas. Uh, now, when we're developing the Brahma viharas with this happiness and goodness of the mind, we may... Then choose to share that with other beings, and when we choose to share that with other beings, we're sharing this very happiness that we have in our own hearts, this goodness that we have in our own ha- hearts, with all other beings, so that they can receive this goodness and happiness. And when we do share it with other beings, then that is a manifestation of uh, metta, manifestation of the Brahma Viharas in action. Um, if we are developing loving kindness and uh, sharing the merits with other beings and our uh, strength of mind is strong enough uh, and our heart is powerful uh, and those other beings are in a state which they can receive that loving kindness they can receive that goodness then they will receive it if uh, our energy and strength of mind is not very good it is weak and undeveloped and those beings are in a state where they cannot receive they are in a state or realm that they cannot receive uh, that uh, merit then because of the weakness of our hearts the weakness of our minds uh, they will not be able to receive it also they are in a state that they are not open to receiving it uh, when I was practicing with Achan Cha when he was still alive uh, I would, uh, when I, the mind was peaceful and I come out of meditation I would spread loving kindness and uh, share the merit of my practice with Achanchar and so when the mind was peaceful I would just sit and think about Achanchar and spread loving kindness to him and then when I would go over and see him uh, he, he would comment and say uh, to the effect you don't need have to worry about me worry about yourself it's almost like he knew that I'd been sharing uh, loving kindness and sharing the merit with him. But because of the strength of his mind and the power of uh, his chitta and the purity of his mind uh, it was like I was being too concerned with him when I really needed to be concerned with myself. And he was aware, he was, uh, he was conscious that I'd been sharing loving kindness and merit with him and uh, because of his ability to receive that and the purity of his mind he would comment and uh, uh, point out to me that he'd been aware that I'd been sharing the merit so if there is a person who, uh, who can receive it uh, then they will receive it if they're in a state and if our mind is strong enough to share the merit so uh, that's the first aspect of the question The second aspect of the question is if we have doubt about whether these beings will receive it and whether it will be beneficial for our practice or um, the effect on our practice and doubt about that then see that doubt is just one of the hindrances that that will be a hindrance to peace that will be a hindrance to the development of wholesome states of mind that will be a hindrance to the development of metta. that will be a hindrance to the development of peaceful states and samadhi So see doubt as just doubt and uh, doubt and confusion just as that. Uh, See the arising of doubt and the ceasing of doubt. Contemplate its arising and ceasing. The arising and passing away of doubt is just the arising and passing away of doubt so that you make your mind peaceful. If your mind is caught in doubt then it will not be peaceful it will not be calm. That hindrance will be a great burden. So you need to overcome doubt to overcome the hindrance so don't have doubt about sharing of merit uh, it should be cultivated it should be developed and see that very doubt as a hindrance to the strength and peace of the mind uh, the question was that: uh, uh, how do you practice when you have feelings of joy and uh, gladness and uh, delight arising when there is a piti sukha arising uh, and uh, Tanajan responded that uh, uh, happiness and joy uh, are uh, uh, one can arise in a particular spot uh, for example one may have the feeling of joy arising in the heart region or or even you know in the in the area of the nasal one can be aware of the sense of just rapture and joy arising in the body as a feeling it may feel cool and comfortable and just a uh, very serene and uh, rapturous with a sense of gladness there then one if one develops that then that becomes more solid and more stable and more strong and there's a very deep sense of uh, bliss and pleasure and happiness that goes together with that joy and that uh, rapture and joy and happiness those two qualities of sukha they're the energy for samadhi that's the force the power behind samadhi and the force that leads to Samadhi so one one may be developing uh, buddhano sati, recollection of the Buddha and the qualities of the Buddha or dhammano sati, recollection of the qualities of the teachings or sankhano sati, recollection of the qualities of the Aryans uh, as a mindfulness meditation and that leads to this sense of rapture and joy arising in the mind so when rapture and joy becomes very strong then we should be aware that this has arisen and we should know uh, that sukha is happiness, is just a feeling that is a feeling, that feeling is anicca dukkha anatta is impermanent, it is unsatisfactory and not self it is not self, it is something which arises because of a cause and will cease because of a cause we see it's arising, we see it's passing away And when this pity becomes uh, more developed, it may become stronger, it may arise more frequently. In the beginning, when we experience rapture and happiness, that joy is often taken to be self. It is our rapture, our happiness. We see the the pleasure as as ourselves, as experiencing pleasure. We see the joy as me and mine. But when we develop wisdom and contemplation, then we'll start to see that pleasure is just a pleasurable feeling. It is neither me, mine, or owned by self.